0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Ian Sanders. He's the author of the new book, 365 Ways to Have a Good Day. And in this conversation, we focus in on what that book is all about, why he wrote it, what the need was that this book is filling, and the book itself focuses in on small stuff that you can do every day to make your life better. It's a change in perspective, a change in rhythms, routines, being able to hit reset, design the life you want, breakthrough limiting beliefs and perspective and recharge. Honestly, a lot of the different things that we talk about in this show, but this is a great way to have bite-size perspective and meditative moment resets for your life. It's a great book. It's a great conversation as well. So I'll just get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Ian Sanders. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Ian Sanders. Ian, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks, Eric. Thanks very much for having me on.
0: So I am fascinated by the title of your new book. It's 365 Ways to Have a Good Day. And anybody, obviously, who's paying attention sees the number 365 and says, all right, well, if one of these doesn't work for me personally, I can keep using a different one. But ultimately, there's 365 ways to have 365 good days. So I just I love the title. But I'm curious. What is it about your experience and your path to this book that caused you to say, okay, I have to compile this. I have to write this book.
1: Yeah, good question. I think, um, you know, I've been on quite a journey. I know you've been on quite a journey doing the podcast for 10 years and everything you've learned. And I've I've always been on a, a journey of learning how I can experiment with my work life, how I can iterate and make improvements to being my most productive, creative, and fulfilled self. And uh, I found in the lockdown of 2020, when I had the opportunity, uh, had some time on my hands, I unearthed a whole pile of old notepads and journals that um, were kind of little observations and ideas and thoughts on how to have a good day. And these notepads kind of went back 15 years and there was about 30 of them. And I realized in the pages of those notepads, you know, I'd been a kind of student, if you like, on how to have a good day, I'd been my own student. And suddenly I thought I've got the opportunity to turn this into a body of work, which uh, then informed, uh, you know, the book that we now have in front of us today. So, you know, that's, that's where it started. I think it started from a a sense of curiosity and how can I always be improving, experimenting with and developing, you know, personal development, I guess you'd call it to have a better day. So it's a, there's a, you know, it's a very personal mission at the heart of the book, but obviously it's a book that, you know, everyone, everyone can take some value and benefit from hopefully.
0: Yeah. Well, and you're, you're singing our song here because I think most people hear you say there's got to be a better way to have a good day. And there's lots of ways, 365 of them, probably more, but you've compiled 365 ways and we all, especially again, in this recent season of our lives, need things, rituals, routines, tips, tricks. I, I hate to use the word hacks, but I'll do that too to help us reroute, circumvent the day we're already maybe having or proactively first thing in the morning, whenever it is we rise, we don't always have to be early risers, but whenever we get up to set the tone, set the mood continually each day for that day. And in a sense, gain momentum and make it easier for each day subsequently.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think we are in a time where we're emerging from the pandemic with greater clarity about what really matters and what doesn't matter. And I, I think at the heart of a good day, it's about making the right choices. And some of those choices on the face of it might kind of sound quite trivial, what we choose to listen to uh, if we're listening to music in the morning or you know how we take our morning coffee. But what I've learned, and I, this speaks to your point about habits, I guess, is what I've learned is how important those little daily rituals can be. And I agree with you, especially at the start of the day, those little things that we could dismiss for being too trivial. But if we pay attention to what we need, we're all different, right? I know from my own experience, the difference those small steps can make. And, you know, a lot of them are around, you know, bringing a bit of joy into our life. And after the last couple of years of what we've been through, I think taking delight and appreciating those little things that make a big difference to our day can be real game changers. And I've had some feedback. The book's been out in the UK a bit longer than the US. I've had some great feedback from readers who have just tried like going for a little walk before they start their working day. Things that maybe to you and I, Eric, might be quite obvious, but sometimes it's just about, you know, people have busy work lives, they have their head down and they don't always think about they have the option to try new things.
0: So I think it makes a lot of sense here for us to spell out what the book actually is. Cause a lot of ways people are thinking, okay, 365 ways. So is it just literally a list? That's a really short book. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: it's actually grouped into 12, 13 different yes, kind 13, of 13,
1: Eric. Yeah. yeah so 13, 13, 13 kind of chapters. Okay. Um, of 365 ideas and, uh, you know, the ideas, you know, they're super short. They're kind of, you know, a couple of paragraphs, like 150 words per 365 ideas. And quite a few of them are very autobiographical. They're, you know, my own experiences. But I realized that wouldn't be a very compelling book. So a bit like you reaching out to experts on the podcast, you know, I reached out to experts and people in my network to get their take on, you know, what a good day looks like. And I reached out to, you know, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs. I reached out to uh, like a dance psychologist, psychotherapist to kind of get the science take on all this. And, you know, the, there's, there's 365 ideas in there. They're not going to be for everyone. You know, I don't think anyone's going to pick this up and go, Hey all these are relevant for me. I think it's very dippable in kind of book. And I think, you know, you can dip into it at random and, you know, find something that works for you. Something that gives you a bit of um a bit of joy, something you you can try something around habits, rituals, you know, productivity and uh, and creativity.
0: So, obviously, you've got 365 different entries. There's probably two different approaches people might be considering when going through the book. One is to do it as a daily reading habit and get a new idea each day to maybe try that day. Now, there are pros and cons to that approach where, you know, you might get to a day and say, oh, I'm not really equipped to do this today, but maybe some other day. Yeah. Actually, there's a third path I just occurred to me, but the other path is just rip through the whole book. Mark all the ones you think that are initially ones you could try and maybe backup ones that you would try, you know, in the future when you, one, you're you aware of the idea, you you grasp the idea, but you want to think about it, you know, ponder it a little bit more. But the third way that just occurred to me is to go chapter by chapter and just do one chapter at a time and say, of this chapter, which of them are the most viable and which are the ones that I want to inch my way towards? I don't know if you've thought of those three perspectives or if you've had other people ask you about that, but you know as you were writing it though, what was your intended reading <laughs> prescribed you know path through the book?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I like your third your third idea there, grouping it in the in the larger chapters. I hadn't thought of that. I think you know my own intention was to you know put three hundred and sixty five ideas in there and to make it very digestible and to give a lot of kind of diversity in there. But you know, you're right. I think you know, I haven't written this like a Ryan Holiday book, you know, Ryan Holiday's Daily Stoics that uh, some of your listeners might know where, you know, you can pick it up and you've got the date and today's, you know, whatever the date beginning of May. And we, you know, we, we open it up and, uh, look at the entry for that day. I think. Some readers have told me they have it on their bedside table and they're reading one a day but let me be honest I don't think they're necessarily going to be you know all actionable day by day I mean I might be proved wrong by a reader who might do an experiment and try one for every day because some of them are stories shining in the light on other people's stories and other people's experiences also I think it's really important to say that we can you know, we're all human we're all different what I need to have a good day is going to be different to you, Eric. And if we're sitting in a neighborhood coffee shop, you know, the guy or lady sitting on the next table is probably going to have some different things to us. So I wrote this book. So kind of, I put myself in it, if you like. And there's quite a few recurrent themes of, you know, I love live music. I love going to see a band. And if that's not for you, that's fine. So, you know, that little chapter about go to feel alive by standing in a live music venue might not be for you. Similarly, I live by the coast here and I love to go for a swim. That might not be for everyone. So again, there's some, there's some recurrent themes. So, you know, I, I don't want to be too prescriptive. I would love someone to read this and it, for it to spark change in their life. And I don't care whether that's like one of the 360 ideas or 30 of them. You know, I think it's, it's a book for people to uh, use, hopefully, as a nudge. It's going to open their eyes. It's going to nudge them. It's going to energize or inspire them. To try something differently. You know, I got a lovely piece of feedback, an email from a reader who's actually in in the Netherlands. And he said it was helping him shift his thinking and recalibrate his work life. And I thought that's a lovely thing for a book like this to do. I think a lot of people that read the book read the books are going to listen to podcasts like yours, Eric, so they're probably going to take in you know they're curious people they're curious about improving their work life you know they all might read a blog on fast company, they might read a book like this, listen to a whole load of podcasts, and you know you take in all this different information and then get inspired to try new things so I think it's in them in that kind of spirit that I'd like people to use the book
0: perfect now, I think it'd be great for us to dive into some of the specific entries, but before we go to the minutia of that, let's stay macro for a second and say, okay, there are 13 chapters and you created those chapters, you grouped these entries together for a reason, because obviously some of them fit together. Some of them I want to call out here, like view life as a road trip is one of them. Yeah. And then a bunch of different entries fall under that or design your own operating system, which that makes a lot of sense, because, again, it's all about the structure or almost, I guess, best way to put it would be maybe the infrastructure of your schedule, Mm. your day, your your time, your activities, you know, all the stuff we talk about on the show, really. So I'm curious, are there any others there that people have told you, like, really resonate with them chapter wise?
1: Well, it's funny you said about the view life as a road trip, which is chapter four, because that seems to have got a lot of traction from people. I think it's because it's a lovely kind of metaphor for how we can uh, live our work lives. And, you know, what I mean by this whole concept and principle of view life as a road trip is that we can either go through our careers in a very kind of linear way, very much focused on the destination, climbing the career ladder, getting promoted in our job, building our business as fast as we can, scaling it, you know, all the rest of it. Or we can be more curious and we can slow down and appreciate the journey just as much as the destination and quite a visual person. I love that imagery of kind of like a road trip. You know, imagine you've got an RV or Winnebago and you're taking a road trip across the US and you're not in a rush. You know, you might kind of generally know where you're going, but you're happy to take kind of random turns and, you know, go where the water flows. And, um, that's very much my philosophy in life, not just my work life. And I've had some lovely feedback on that as a different way of kind of approaching, you know, of approaching life. And um, it seems to resonate with quite a few people. So that, you know, I'm delighted to hear it has.
0: Yeah. I love to think and uh, talk in metaphors. So, and I love road trips too. So, thinking about life as a road trip, in a sense, really resonates with me. I love having those different kind of lenses to look at.
1: Life oh, great. Through. Yeah, yeah.
0: So so that one really resonated with me as well. Again, I, and I also mentioned, so then there's the road trip side of things, and then there's the, the operating system side of things. So that kind of gives you the clue that like, I almost metaphorically feel like a nomadic nerd. <laughs> <I don't-> <laughs>
1: <laughs> the intersection of those two. Yeah, yes. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the operating system thing, I mean, thanks for tuning in on that one, is about, um, you know, being very aware of what we each need to be at our best. And, you know, I've got some kind of signature things that are very much part of Ian Sanders, you know, as a human being, let alone as a, you know, in my work life. I mean, it's the same thing, work and the and the outside of work Ian. But those things are like, they're really sacred to me, Eric. They're kind of, you know, getting unshackled from my desk. Spending time, you know, walking, wandering, taking clients on walks and wonders when I can, sitting in coffee shops, getting unplugged, getting away from the screen. Those then inform a whole set of habits and routines that sit at the heart of my operating system. So I I suppose that the call to action with the operating system is for us to all, you know, get hyper aware of what we each need. To operate at our best, and we all, we all know what an operating system is, and when our smartphones and uh, laptops uh, prompt us that they need to update to the latest version of whatever, and the same with us, the same with us as human beings, right? To really, um, really tune into um to what we each need to um to be at our optimal best, and I don't mean uh, when I say optimal best, I I don't believe that we should uh, be trying to squeeze productivity and results out of every waking hour when i say our optimal best because we've all got different motivators and uh one thing that's the heart of my life as a philosophy it's uh, is it's your life not a business model is a little saying i have and uh you know i'm not trying to squeeze things out of every waking hour but i'm just trying to pay attention to what i need in order to have a good day
0: That resonates with the ethos of the show as well. It's why we call it Beyond the To-Do List. It's not just about the to-do list. It's about more than that. It's not just the tasks, it's the deeper work of life. And I really like that. I like that it. it even kind of ties into a different chapter that's later on called Just Do a Day. <laughs> and yeah. I, and I love that yeah. because, you know, we've talked about rest, we've talked about sleep, we've talked about things like that on the show before. I think one of the things that we try to hammer home is productivity is not just about producing. It's about having an optimized operating system for life. Yeah, That's why it's beyond the to-do list. It encompasses all those different aspects of life. Some we may not talk about ever on this show, but overall, it means in a lot of ways, a lot of things are fair game. And we can really Mm -hmm. dive in and say, how can we optimize that with self-awareness? How can you know yourself better? How can you know what works best for you in terms of self-discovery, strengths, weaknesses, all those good kind of things, you know, in terms of personality tests? And, you know, I'm not going to list them all out here, but that's kind of where I feel some of this stuff falls into. But it's not always about that. It's also about like noticing yourself. And for example, notice your breathing for example, that's, that's number five. That's an easy one. So let's talk about that for a second, because like that's being in the moment, I guess that's in a way noticing your breathing (laughs) to go geek here for a second is the software and the hardware talking to each other.
1: Oh, that's a nice way of looking at it, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think most of us who are interested in kind of the whole productivity scene and um, self-improvement are very aware of breathing. And meditation and mindfulness and all those kind of things. But, you know, it wasn't until I spoke to, uh, met this guy, Michael, who I mentioned in the book, who's written his own book, a very good book called Do Breathe. And, you know, he really helped me think about how important, you know, our breathing is. And I just hadn't considered it before. When did I meet him? 2012, 10 years ago. I just hadn't considered it before then. And I think a lot of people are aware of the importance of the breathing and taking a breath, especially when uh, life gets difficult or stressful, or we're like, ah, you know, can't cope. We're having a difficult day and struggling and, um, just taking control of that and slowing down. I'm doing it right now, right? You can hear it here in my voice, you know, just slowing down and taking a breath, you know, actually can be quite, quite transformational and, um, I know a lot of people advocate you know kind of meditation i've experimented with it it's kind of not for me, not in a traditional way anyway. I have different kind of ways of being mindful and present, but I think, yeah, that is a lovely foundation stone, isn't it about breathing that can sit sit underneath so much of of our life and can uh, we can have better quality lives by paying attention and being present to our breath
0: well, and I wouldn't knock that what you're doing with breathing isn't meditation you're just not you know sitting there doing guided meditation per se true no
1: good point thank you yeah yeah you're right yeah um (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) and there's a couple other different ones that resonate with me in terms of the the operating system and you know tuning into yourself is another one that's another side of being in the moment being present being aware all of the above and yeah. you know taking stock of you know experiences you know looking at photographs taking them and looking at them sitting and drinking coffee and listening to vintage radio you know i i, can't, yeah. I still can't hear classical music without being transported to my grandparents dining room table in the morning coming down for breakfast when Uh I slept over at their house. And that is an amazing memory. And that right there, just even that just, I wasn't intending to say anything about that, but that just coming up in my mind and coming out of my mouth made me feel really good. (laughs) So, you
1: know. No, I love that. And uh, yeah, you know, I was using the, as a metaphor, you know, the vintage radio old enough to when we had analog radio with these big dials and you'd, you know, tune the dial and it would go fuzzy and then it would all come clear. And that's how I think about that process of what we can all do to kind of tune into what we need. And it goes back to what I said earlier about paying attention. And I just think so many of us, and I used to uh, live our work lives at kind of 100 miles an hour. And we're not just, we don't stop to pause. And I think at the heart of this book is the idea that we can slow down, tune in, and really be aware, really be aware of, of what we need. Because I think also, the heart of the book is this idea that we're all designers of our own work lives and that we can take responsibility to experiment, iterate, tweak and adapt and design a work life around who we really are and be intentional about that. But we can only do that once we're aware of what we need, once we're aware of our operating system, once we've slowed down and tuned into what we need. So it's kind of a two-parter, really. It's about um, paying attention and then being intentional You know, they're the two principles that are kind of the formula, if you like, for how we can have better days.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I didn't connect this when I was going through the book earlier, but I'm looking at the chapters right now. And I see that there's not only the chapter, look at life as a road trip, but there's the other one that's top up your fuel tank, which kind of goes along with a road trip. But it also goes into what we're talking about here, which is it's not all about full steam ahead. It's about making sure that you've got energy and fuel for work, creativity, play, relationships. I could go on and on, but you have to stop to fuel. But that the stopping to fuel isn't just about then being able to go. It's about, again, taking those moments to look at the map to reorient yes. yourself, to gain better clarity and so on.
1: Yes. Yeah, you're right. Because it's. I think the, the fuel thing is a two-parter for me. Yeah. The first part is, you know, back to the road trip. We take a road trip. We know we need to fill our gas tanks or we got an electric vehicle. We need to plug them in somewhere. Um, but why don't we always think about that in our work and career journeys or even life journeys? You know, and I had an experience as a much younger man where I kind of had a bit of a burnout and I certainly wasn't paying attention to the... uh <laughs> the fuel gauge on the dashboard. And so that's, that's why I like the fuel analogy about thinking about our fuel tanks. But you're right. The other part of the f- stopping to refuel is to just take our time to stop and, and to kind of re- reorientate. So, um, I think it's really important to know what fuel we need and to make sure that, you know, when we are running low, We probably have those telltale signs, you know, we might not have a red light on the dashboard, but we'll kind of feel irritable or a bit stressed or just like a bit, you know, not, not feeling great. And that's that, that's then a sign that we need to take some action. We need to do something. Maybe we need to go for a walk. Maybe we need to get unplugged, put our phone on fly mode, or just take some time to breathe, be mindful, be in the present moment and, um, take some positive action.
0: Yeah, man. I think that if nothing else, somebody hearing that you have permission to stop and refuel more often than you think you know you don't want to have the not just the check engine light but the the the, the low fuel light come on yeah, yeah. while you're in motion and you have to yes. be you know again this is kind of like the part about looking at life as a road trip is you look ahead and plan how far can you travel reasonably before you mm. need to stop again to refuel yeah
1: yeah yeah, you're right. I think that's about paying attention to how much work we've got on, how much we can take on. Now, you know, some of your listeners are going to work inside organizations. Others will work for themselves in a way that work for themselves. Folk perhaps have a bit more flexibility about what's on the workload and what's in the calendar. But also speaking as a veteran of uh, self-employed life of obviously it could be quite precarious. There's times you've got to feel you've got to take on what you can take on when you get it. I think it's about being very careful about that. I haven't really looked after my mental health as well as I might have in my early years of self-employed life. I pay more attention to that now. About what I say yes to, about what I have the bandwidth for, and I think there's another point here, which is, I know it's an area that you're interested in, which is kind of like how we spend our time and thinking about when we're at our productive best. An entrepreneur, like, reached out to uh, to talk to for the book, a guy called David Hyatt, who's co-founder of a. Uh, jeans brand called Hyatt Denim. He had a lovely way of looking at it. He said, it's all about, for me, Ian, it's all about quality, not quantity of hours. And I love that because, you know, a lot of us have worked in work cultures where it's all about presenteeism, whether it's uh, when we work in office buildings and we have to get in at a certain time and stay to a certain time. And of course, in the last two years, that presenteeism has become digital presenteeism as people are kind of shackled to their laptops for Zoom or Teams calls all day long or hanging on Slack or whatever they're doing. Um, I think it can feel really liberating that we stop thinking about quantity of hours and we start thinking about quality of hours. Most of us have had experiences where we've had some great conditions for working. We've achieved so much in 60 minutes that you know, we might struggle to achieve in seven or eight hours. So I love David's call to action that we focus on quality, not quantity of hours. And um, I know part of that is related to, you know, when we go to sleep and when we get up and when we're at our best. I'm always keen on taking inspiration from other authors. And I'm sure you know the work of Dan Pink. And Dan wrote a book called um, uh, When the Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. And he's got some great work in there about, um, there's a lovely graph in there about kind of when we're at our best, which for most people tends to be the morning. We get another peak later on, kind of in the evening. Uh, and then we have a slump often kind of after lunch. And it's just, you know, Dan Pink says, um, you know, pay attention to when you're at your peak. And do the work that really matters then. And don't let, you know, mundane tasks creep into that time when you're on fire. And then similarly, you know, when you're in a slump, maybe that's the time doing, doing the admin, doing the invoicing, updating the Excel spreadsheet rather than, um, oh yeah, maybe start, start the day doing those things when really you should be doing the work that really matters when you're on fire. So that was a learning point for me that, that I've included in the book as well.
0: Yeah. In fact, Dan was on the show. Recently, yeah, talking about his more recent book, The Power of Regret, how looking looking backward moves us forward. And that actually fits in here too. It definitely fits in terms of looking to see where you've come from and what you've done in terms of you know what didn't work and then move forward. You know, I, I mean we can throw that in a bunch of different things. What didn't work as part of your operating system? What habit didn't work and what one will work instead or what turn did you take on the road trip that now you know don't turn down that way again or take a different route and yeah. so on so
1: yeah there's another piece to that I mean I, I must say I haven't read Dan's book yet regret it's on my list I must pick it up and read it because uh, I love Dan's work but I think there's another piece around kind of like seeing where we've come from and I was reminded of that when you told your story about you know going down to your grandparents home and hearing the classical uh, music playing and I'm I'm a storyteller at heart. I mean, that's where most of my professional work is around storytelling as well as having a good day. And I think that, um, I've got in the book, this kind of idea that we can start a self storytelling habit. And I think looking back at the stories that we tell of, you know, previous experiences in life, unearthing old photographs or old journals or old scrapbooks or memories can really help us navigate forward, you know, where we've come from and those experiences we've had. And I talk in the book about um, a wonderful experience I had when I was eighteen here in Europe, going on a month-long rail adventure around, you know, some of the iconic European cities: Barcelona, Paris, Venice. I had a wonderful time with a friend of mine, and I found a scrapbook that I'd written with journal entries, photographs, ticket stubs, and it was a wonderful thing to find. Uh, I found it about seven years ago; I'd forgotten I had it. It's a wonderful thing to find to kind of make sense of. Who I was professionally in that scrapbook, the 18 year old Ian, I could see, you know, a curious mindset. I could see evidence of the uh, treat life as a road trip. I could see evidence of being the storyteller, being the observer. And what I find really lovely is that those elements that were in me as a young man are very present in me all these decades later. So, I mean, I think there's another nice piece to kind of looking back on where we've come from and how we can connect the dots between how that defines us you know all these years later as well
0: yeah oh man you know what i'm going to do it anyway I did, live googling on a podcast is never something that i suggest <laughs> you do and we could edit this out but for the sake of humor what you just said makes me think of a connecting the dots quote from steve jobs maybe you know it and can say it while i look it up but no, it'll I, no, I don't take me 2 seconds know it. All right, no, so, go for it. <laughs> so let's see if I can find this. There it is. Okay, so it says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. So that's what that, you just said that. That mm-hmm. made me think of that quote where it's, you can't see the dots connecting forward. You just assume they're going to, you have to have that positivity. And that's some of what the training of the minute habitual details from your book are training you to do. But the other thing is, is again, in a sense, going back to what Daniel Pink was talking about, looking backward at failures and or successes, you can predict that dots will connect in the future. Because if you look backwards, you will see where a lot of them already connected.
1: Yeah. 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 No, thanks for that reflection. And I think, yeah, that that's Steve Jobs quote sounds a bit familiar, but um, I hadn't heard the full version of it. So thank you. Yeah. So I love that kind of dot connecting. And, um, you know, we talk a lot about our life journeys, don't we? And it is a journey. So I like to go back and, you know, look at uh, previous chapters in our story, if you like, and how that aligns with where we are now. And the choices, you know, the choices we make, and yeah, to Dan's point, is you know some of those experiences, are kind of failures and struggles that we learn from, or regrets, and others are perhaps like my European scrapbook adventure experience, which is kind of like setting down in stone, um, the, you know, the hallmarks of uh, of who I who I grew up to be, which I had no sense of at the time. You know, I just thought it was a kind of trivial little scrapbook. I didn't even think I'd hang on to it. So there you go. Don't chuck away your scrapbooks, folks.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely one way to connect those dots. So. Man, Ian, there's so much more. One, we've touched on kind of a macro level of some of the chapters, as well as some of the specific entries inside of those. But I think we've done, what, maybe four or five briefly, maybe six or seven. There's 365. There's so much we haven't touched on that's in the book. But this is a great book for people who are looking for quick, easy insights but not necessarily low impact. These are high impact. Like you come across something, one idea, one idea can change your course. So here are 365 of them. (laughs) And it's not a book filled with fluff. It's filled with a lot of, I wouldn't say instant, but maybe an instant punch with kind of a long lasting after effect. It'd be great if we can point people towards where they can find out more and maybe get a sample of the book.
1: Thanks, Eric. Yeah, if people go to iansanders.com and click on 365 ways or go straight to iansanders.com forward slash 365, you'll find some blurb uh, about the book and uh, some links to some resources. And you'll also find uh, a download button where you can download a free sampler for the book. So, you know, I would suggest people do that. And if you like what you see, um, you know, please uh, go and check out the book at your local library or bookstore. But uh, the best place to go, yeah, iansanders.com.
0: Awesome. Ian, it's been great talking with you. This is a great book. I highly encourage everybody to go check it out. I'll link up to everything we just talked about in the show notes. And Ian, I can't wait to see what you do next.
1: Well, thanks, Eric. I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, learned a lot in the process as well. So thank you very much.
0: Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed listening into this conversation with Ian Sanders. I know that I enjoyed talking with Ian And I know that I enjoyed the book and I hope that you will too. In fact, I know you will if you take a chance on it. We've linked up in the show notes where you can find out more about the book and even get a sample. And if you know somebody that you think this conversation and book would benefit, would you do me the favor and them the favor of sharing this episode with them? Hit that share button in that podcast player app of choice where you're listening to this or head on over to the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com and hit the share button from there. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next episode.